This podcast is brought to you by JAM, Junction Arts and Media, building community in the Upper Valley through media. Welcome to the 15th episode of the Intersection Podcast with your host, Julius. This podcast is intended to promote different voices from the Upper Valley, sharing their experience of community and providing a forum for each participant to be heard without comment or judgment. Our guest today will remain anonymous, and we invite you, listener, to simply listen. So the first question I want to ask you is, what is your personal vision or definition of community? For me, community would be all-inclusive, nobody restricted, not handicapped, not by color, not by gender, or preference to sex or religion or anything else, and to treat everyone with the respect they deserve. What, in your experience, has shaped that vision? Well, I've been in a multicultural environment pretty much all of my life, growing up in New York City, going to private schools, Catholic schools. And one thing I always wanted to know, always knew that I wanted to do was to travel. I mean, from a toddler, I wanted to travel. And so when I finished going to private school and told my mother I was going to join the Air Force in 1973 during Vietnam, everybody hit the roof. But my main thing was I wanted to travel. I wanted to be on my own. And after school, 1973, I joined the Air Force. <laughs> and I was in there for 20 years. And that kind of satisfied my desire to meet all different cultures and all different people and all different faiths. And even as, as a child, I was like, gee, you know, because I grew up in New York City. So you see people in their native dress. You hear so many different languages. Some of them I didn't even know, you know, where do they come from? What do they eat? What do they believe? And uh, I'm glad to say that I have satiated that desire by living in several different countries. After I retired from the Air Force after 20 years as a captain, I chose to teach first grade in the Middle East and Africa. Wow. How long did you do that? 16 years. 16 years. Did the Air Force meet your expectations of wanting to travel? Yes, they did meet my expectations because I needed somebody to, you know, ship all my stuff. You know, it was an avenue. The Air Force was really good for me because I love to travel. I was able to do that, you know, for free, live in different countries. I lived in Japan. I lived in Korea. I lived in Texas, so, you know, a wide variety of different places. And each place I went to was without prejudice, without expectation, but just to be filled up with the knowledge of that country and without judgment. How do you experience community here in the Upper Valley? Lucky enough to be in a, live in a good community, and also my faith, very strong with the people in my faith, who also have the vision. We consider ourselves world citizens. And so there's a lot of philosophies more than ritual. For instance, the oneness of all religions. We believe in progressive revelation, you know, that different prophets were sent at different times to guide man. We believe in a universal language, a universal government, the equality of men and women, the elimination of all prejudices, and the independent search for truth. 
So, you know, if you're, if you're, you don't have to follow everything your parents did. And that's what people do tend to do. But if you believe in the individual search for truth, that's up to you. Oh, and in my faith, there's also no clergy. So there's nobody telling you what to do, where to go, or how to vote. Does that experience of what you're just talking about, is that basically describes your community currently? Yes, it does. It does? Yes, my, my faith community. Now, my local community where I live, if I live by those principles and I see everybody as we instead of them and us, it makes life a lot easier for everybody and especially the children. What do you do to build community? And how do you do that? Well, one thing I believe in is doing service wherever I live. So even when I was in the Air Force, regardless of where I was stationed, I always did something extra outside the community. When I was in Texas, I taught women who were nationals from other countries, married to servicemen. I taught them English. I also volunteered at the local library to teach people basically how to read. And I was in an area where that was sorely needed. So I always tried to do something above and beyond just my regular go to work, go home, to integrate myself in the community and to build up the community and the people in it. So how do you build community here in the Upper Valley? In the Upper Valley, I have worked at, uh, my town has a little uh, shop where I have volunteered. I started volunteering on Saturdays at the uh, local library. We have a program for children. And I'm the only person of color that I know of in that community, and I've been there a long time. But you know what? That doesn't matter because when you have a good heart and you open yourself to people, they will come to you and you will meet like-minded people. Recently, I had a shoulder replacement. And I'll be honest with you, I was really surprised at the way my community came out for me. I had so many casseroles, I couldn't even eat them. <laughs> Everybody was coming over, make sure, you know, that I only had one arm. You know, one girl even came over and swept and mopped my floors. <laughs> they were getting wood for me, making sure I had wood. And it was, I mean, it even surprised me. And I mean, I just didn't realize how much that good-natured neighbor stuff, how far it went until then. How do you compare that to someone who grew up in New York? You mean like myself? <laughs> yes. Huh. From what aspect? Were you looking at, I mean, that's much different than being in New York compared to, or would you get the same type of treatment? Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I'm just saying, if you, if, if let's just say the same thing happened, you had a surgery in your shoulder, were you? Probably kinda, not. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> really, probably not. But luckily, I have family there who I hope would take care of me in, in, in any event. But like I said, I was in the Air Force for 20 years. I, I taught in the Middle East and Africa for 16 years. And again, if you go with the idea that it's we, that we're not separated by language, by culture, but that we all have the same needs and desires, it's easy to see that. And even when I was overseas, I did a lot of community service and integrated myself into the different communities. And it got to the point where people actually thought I was, I was from the Middle East because <laughs> I had been there so long and I was so involved with so many things in the community, not just the school. And unfortunately, a lot of the Americans that, that did teach overseas with me pretty much stayed in their own little bubble. 
and they never went out and they'd say, gee, how, how did you get so many Kuwaiti friends? I'm like, I'm in Kuwait, you know, and how many students do you have? Each one of those students has a mother or two, you know, <laughs> depending on their faith. And uh, I just see everybody as brothers and sisters in the whole world. I don't see a whole lot of separation. And that is here what you here in the Upper Valley, right? That's what oh, you yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm just trying to get a good feel about this is that, okay, so why do you think it's so different here compared to New York? Well, everybody has a different culture. Mm-hmm. And you have to accept people for their culture, where they're at, and what experience they've had in their life. I know people say, oh, America's not racist. It is racist. There is a, a division. And I learned how great that division was by living in other countries. I saw so many different things that, gee, America's a great country, but gee, why aren't we doing this instead of doing it that way? And I felt overseas, I did not feel that prejudice. Nobody followed me around in Tiffany's, <laughs> you know, or, or assumed that I wasn't as educated as they were, which I am. So a lot of that was stripped away when I lived overseas. And I think that the racism that is so prevalent in this country, whether you deny it or not, is holding back everybody. Men, women, children, mm-hmm. black, white, whatever, regardless of religion or color. And, and it's, I try to be catalyst for togetherness and change as much as I can as one person. So think about a time when you felt like you were excluded from the Upper Valley community, and what were the circumstances? Hmm. Well, I've had a few incidents up at my house, as especially moving in as the odd man out, so to speak. And But I always... Do you want specifics? Well, you just tell us what you want us to hear. My house was burglarized. My house was trashed. Just a lot of thing, a lot of different things, but you know it takes people time to get used to change, and I was that change. And also in my faith, we try to be apolitical. You know where we look at candidates, not just party. And you see what's happened in this country with the wide, wider and wider division of people's thoughts. And it's never just one or the other. So even though those things happen to me, I realize that it's a cultural change for these people. And I live there. I'm not moving. I own my house. Deal with it. Mm. And I think a lot of people have changed their minds, you know, because of my presence there. And I've, I've been in that house since 2020. So it's been a while. Mm. So why was that experience, experience challenging for you? I don't think anybody likes anybody else coming in their house, taking some of their property. They did help me get rid of some things I didn't want, though. (laughs) And I do have a good sense of humor, so I'm like, gee, if they'd have talked to me, I would have told them some other stuff they could have taken. (laughs) And I try and deal with adversity like that because I've lived in different countries and I have seen people who have real problems, food, clothing, and shelter, especially when I lived in Africa. And I'd like to tell you a story that still breaks my heart. We had drivers in Africa, and I was going to the airport. I was going to a conference, and we stopped for a red light. And there was garbage as tall as a house. And I saw a chicken pecking in that garbage, and I saw 
a child pecking in that garbage with a dog. And these three entities were vying for the same food. And I thought, oh, my God. I mean, I actually cried that no child should ever have to go up against a dog and a chicken to try to get food. So I've seen real-world problems. Not just We have so much over here, so much, and we don't appreciate it as much as we, we should. And I, I think if we do travel, and I've, I'm glad I've had that desire not to be judgmental and to see how other people live. And I also lived in Saudi Arabia, and people are going, oh, my God, why would, why would you want to go there? Because I've never been, and I want to see how they live. I want to see what they say about these women. Is it true about the culture, about the food, the clothes, da-da-da-da, okay? Mm-hmm. No, I did, was not able to drive the whole time I was there. <laughs> so going back to the part where someone violated you, mm-hmm. uh, how did you respond to that? Well, I didn't call the cops. And that's probably from being from New York. <laughs> and I dealt with it myself, and I realized it was just things. They didn't hurt me. They hurt my pets or anybody that I loved. Anything that I, they took, I could easily replace. And left it up to the universe and said a prayer and, and pressed on. So how would you work with a similar feeling or a situation in the future? That's a good question. I probably wouldn't change the way I reacted. I do feel that now that I've been there and people do know me and in small towns, word gets around, good or bad, and I consider myself a good person. I know the people who know me do in my town. So words got around. I'm fine now. I, I don't have a firearm. Yes, I do lock my doors. I do the common sense thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so far I have not had any problems for, for years. And I think that's out of respect and me giving respect and helping in the community. And even when we have town meetings, I still express my opinion, even though it may not be the most popular one in the room. But it's my right and I'm a citizen of that community mm-hmm. and I interact. So what what would have supported you to make you feel like you was included in that situation? Again, I'm going to go back to where you, you have to take people from where they're at. And even though I traveled the world and integrated myself into different cultures, it was no different coming to Vermont or Texas or California or New York. Every, every place has a, a culture. And it just takes time for people to get used to different people. And I think that people now see me as a person and, and not so much as a color. And I'm sociable with everybody, you know, even those people that I know that violated me. I still smile at them, and I still say, how are you? And, you know, kill them with kindness. Okay. I mean, do you think if it would have happened again, based on how you feel now in your community or with your community, you think you would have got a lot more support? Oh, yes, yes. When that happened, I really didn't know anybody, and I was coming back and forth from overseas, Mm -hmm. you know, so I wasn't totally integrated into the, it's like, oh, yeah, that girl lives overseas. She's, you know, she comes back periodically, but now they know who I am. They see me. I'm visible. Nobody looks twice anymore or asks me where am I from or, you know, and, and I see the change as well. But it takes patience and it takes time to, to, to let people know how you are and where your heart is. And if they don't like me, that's okay. And if they leave me alone, that's even better. 
I guess that's the advantage of the community you described earlier, right? <laughs> right. So let's look at it from this, thing, this angle. So think about a time when you felt like you were a valued member of the Upper Valley community. Okay. I, I'm going to go back to the town meeting. And, and another thing is that when there are things in the community that people are really up about, I'll get a call and say, we need you there. <laughs> because they know I'm verbal. They know I speak my mind. And, and I don't get offended when people put out other ideas or contradict me. That, that's their experience in life. I don't know. Do I have to agree with it? No, I don't always have to agree with it. And I hope that we can sit down and talk out the differences. But we recently had elections, I guess it was about six months ago for the January. And I did express how I felt about the police in that, in that town and how I would not go to them if I really needed anything because I did not trust them. And so they heard that. I brought up what I thought were false accusations about critical race theory and having been a teacher, I have a lot of very strong opinions about teaching children and, and what they need to grow into world citizens. So so based on the, your, on the, on the, the meeting that you went to, mm-hmm. uh, why was that experience positive for you? Well, <laughs> somebody told me it was because of me that the sheriff didn't get reelected. <laughs> So, so I thought that was positive. <laughs> you know, you can get a new administration, not the same guy that's been there 15, 20 years. So what would you like to see more of to encourage even more inclusion in our community? I'd like to see more parties with black and white people <laughs> dancing and having fun. And I even talked to a friend of mine about having a diverse preschool where, because we're already tainted, we're done and dusted. We need to show the children. If we are teaching children to exclude this person and that and that person, number one, they're not going to have as much fun in life. And they're probably going to be a lot more miserable by judging people and, and being judged. And I, I would like to see people, people here are very insular, you know? I mean, everybody's like, oh, there's people who've never been out of Vermont. Oh, there's people who've never been out of New Jersey. Oh, da, 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 da. You know, but you don't have to leave the state. You could be here. We have black community. We have community here. We have Spanish. We have the richness of, of diversity. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see more people in more groups coming together. You know, you, you talked about a lot of the things that you experienced in the Air Force. You mentioned that the number one reason why you went to the Air Force is because you wanted to travel. What is what is is there anything else that you learned from your experience in the Air Force that you just was not expecting? Probably the male female thing, <laughs> you know, besides the color, the whole gender thing. I went in in 1973. There weren't that many women in there. When I would go to, I can remember I went to a new base. It was in Florida, and we have in-processing meetings and stuff for paperwork and this and that. But then they had an extra meeting for the women on how not to get sexually harassed. And I'm like, excuse me, I think you had the wrong people in here. We either both need to be, men and women need to be in here, or you need to be talking to the men alone. I don't think it's the responsibility of the women not to have women, men assault them. 
oh, troublemaker. <laughs> and that was back in the 70s. And they used to say, oh, travel in threes, da, 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 da. That's on the military base. That's not even, you know, off. But it was true. And there were a lot of problems when women started going into the service in mass. And what shocks me now is those problems still exist. They have not changed that much from 1973. Mm. And, and I think that's a big problem as well. Before I close up, I want to ask you a question. I mean, we talk about community, and it sounds like you have a great rapport with your community. I like to think so. During the times <laughs> I could been, be wrong. <laughs> during the times that you've been here, was there ever a time when you felt like, yeah, I need to go, I need to get out of here? Yeah, there has been, yes. Can you explain that? <clears throat> okay, living overseas, like I said, I taught overseas, so I used to come home for the summer or sometimes for the holidays and stuff. <laughs> And uh, during election times and stuff, I could not get out of this country fast enough because there was just so much hate and so much dissension. And not only was I thinking that I should move out of Vermont, I was thinking maybe I need to move to another country. But that's a cop-out. And I even talked about leaving. I was told one of my the people where I live, I was like, I think I want to move to a more diverse area. You know, this, this is you know, getting depressing. <laughs> And she's like, please don't. We need people like you here. It's like, you can take it. <laughs> but you get to a point where, hey, I've done my bit. I'm retired. I want to enjoy my life. I'm a teacher by nature, but I don't want to keep teaching the same thing over and over. And during the George Floyd thing, so many people were saying, oh, join our book club. I already read that book. So, and, and, but I was able to talk to people on, on a family basis or when we're just socializing and relay some of the things of my experience about being a black person, not just in Vermont, but in America. And I, Vermont, we're not protected in Vermont by the dome. Everybody, th- they're like, oh my gosh, you, that happened to you in Vermont? And I'm like, still America. <laughs> Don't be surprised. And these are white people. And we still have a lot of the same problems that we must, must, must get over. And I've been treated a lot better in a lot of countries that I had lived in besides America. And the only time I really had culture shock was coming back to America and so happy to go back to the other countries that that I was in, the ones that they denigrate on the news and talk about in terrible terms. And I tell people, well, I had a great time over there, and they want to tell me I didn't. And I did. So when you heard when someone told you that we need you here, how did that make you feel? Made me feel good because I knew what she was talking about when I was doing my service to the community at the time. And uh, people aren't people are, aren't really threatened to talk to me or anything like that. I'm a very open, very jovial, gregarious person. As we come to a close, is is there anything else you want to add to to these? experiences and community and inclusion and exclusion. Is there anything else that you want to add that you think would be? Uh, I, w- I think that people of, of color and the BIPOC community should share the wealth because we've got a lot to offer. We've got a lot to give and we got a lot of minds to change. Thank you for today's guests for sharing their experience of inclusion and exclusion here in the Upper Valley. 
If you would like to lend your voice and your experience to this podcast, please contact intersections at uvjam.org. That's intersections, I-N-T-E-R-S-E-C-T-I-O-N-S at uvjam.org. O-R-G. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Jam podcast. If you have found this program interesting and would like to find more Upper Valley content or learn how to produce your own media, please visit us at uvjam.org.